Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. This is the show where we try to dive into every area of life and culture and explore what God's Word has to say about it and how to bring our own lives into uh, obedience and submission to that Word. This is Season 2, Episode 29 of the podcast for Cultural Reformation, and Chris Wineland is my guest today. Chris is a stand-up comedian and a writer. He's worked on Next Week with Jeff Durbin, uh, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and he's also the host of The Monologue Show. Chris talks about the use of comedy in scripture and throughout history, talks about the Christian beginnings of Hollywood, and about the Christian calling to fulfill our cultural mandate in the area of arts and entertainment. Uh, I also conned him into doing a, uh, a routine over the phone for us, so stay tuned for that. Chris Wineland, uh, welcome to the show. It's awesome to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. I, re- I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we fun. could. Uh, I'm <laughs> glad that we could work this out. Um, so, Chris, uh, I'm just gonna let. I'll just rehearse for uh, for our listeners' sake uh, how we we came to be connected. So we we're kind of uh, here at the Ezra Institute. We're we're good friends with the guys at at Apologia, and I know that uh, Joe Boot. He was out there last year at the time you were. You were writing for uh, mm. next week with Jeff Durbin, and uh, correct. And yeah, ever since then, I've just I've seen seen some of your stuff, seen some of the uh, the skits and the stand up and the things that you've been putting out, out online. And I just I just thought this guy, I've got to I've got to hear what it looks like to have, or I've got to find out find out what it looks like to have a uh, a solid uh, reform minded Christian comic and what it uh, what it looks like to to. Uh, be a god honoring comic in this sphere. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm pum- I'm pumped to have you. Um, maybe uh, could you just uh, to get started to introduce yourself? Could you just tell us uh, how you got started in comedy? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and uh, first, you know, just for everybody that's listening, let me just say, uh, uh, actually, I'm just some random guy that uh, that you met on the street the other day. So no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, potato, uh, potato. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Same thing, right? Same, same, same exactly. No, um, no. So I've I've been doing stand up for uh, ten years now. Uh, I'll be hitting my eleventh year in July twenty second. I started the day after, or July twenty third. I started the day after my eighteenth birthday, and it was because my mom uh, wanted me to do stand up. She had always said, "You're going to be a comedian. You're always so funny." But like, I was always a shy kid, so I was funny, but I. I was afraid to kind of put it out there. Um, so there, there's actually a kid in high school by the name of Greg, which to this day I can only say with disdain because I would whisper the joke and then he would say it out loud and people would praise him for it. Mm. And they would say, you're a genius, Greg. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and actually, this is, this is a true story. Uh, right before I graduated, the teacher stood up and said, <laughs> I believe all of you are going to accomplish great things. But Greg... You're going to be a stand-up comedian for sure. <laughs> oh man, I know. And I was like, "Are you kidding me? Come Those are my jokes." Seriously. But then I became a stand-up comedian. <laughs> yeah, wait, what about Greg? Is he uh, is he also a stand-up comedian? Is he still riding your coattails? No, actually, he's not. He is not a stand-up comedian. I uh, I did pick him up one time because he was in a rough spot in life, and I said, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Nothing. I'm just depressed." And I said, "Well, why don't you do stand-up?" You know, the teacher said you should do it. So he went to the club, and I was only like one year in, but I felt pretty good about what I was doing. And he got a lot of laughs, and then afterwards, he just started mocking me. <laughs> He's like, you're not good. You're not as good as me. And then I never did stand-up again, so I haven't seen Greg since. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Well, Greg, if you're listening, um, I don't know. No hard feelings. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. No, no, no hard feelings. A little bit of hard feelings, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Fine. I didn't want. To, I guess I shouldn't speak for you on that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So so that's that's uh, that's funny. Your mom your mom pushed you into into showbiz. Isn't that kind of the opposite of what uh, what most people say? Like, no, my mom wanted me to, you know, be an accountant and hold down a steady job. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My mom's crazy. I guess she <laughs> she was like, you should do stand up. Well, she said comedy. She didn't necessarily say stand up. Okay. Um, but. Obviously, um, I had always told her because she kept saying, and I said, okay, well, when I turn 18, I'll go to a club and I'll do stand-up because I figured that's, you know, that was comedy because um, I just grew up watching, like, 
stand-ups. You know, I didn't even know. Uh, like, it's crazy because my family just would always play stand-up comedy or we'd be in the car and we'd hear it. And it was always clean comedy. I didn't even grow up Christian, like uh, uh, anything like that. I, you know, we went to church a couple of times. We knew a lot of the Easter Christian people or Christmas people. So mm-hmm. um, okay. somehow, though, I had never even heard of Dirty Comics until I got into the clubs. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man, that uh, that must have been an experience. Yeah, it was, actually, because, uh, you know, I, I grew up with, like, Cosby and uh, Louis Anderson and stuff like that. So when I went and just started going into the clubs, I'm, like, looking, and I'm like, these, there's no way these comics were inspired by Louis Anderson right. and Cosby. Right. <laughs> uh, and then they would get off stage, and I'd say, who – who in the world are you inspired by? And they would say, like, Richard Pryor. And I remember at 18, I went, who's Richard Pryor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I had no idea. Oh, man. And then, uh, so how did you, how did you get uh, get started with uh, with writing for uh, for Apologia and for, for next week? Yeah. yeah, so what's cool is there's, there's actually a little bit of a background for that. So when I um, uh, started doing stand-up at 18, I you write at that first open mic, I... Got a, I thought I was just going to do it as a hobby or, you know, hey, just do it for my mom, whatever. But the moment I got a laugh from somebody uh, the, in the audience that wasn't my mom, mm-hmm. I was hooked. I was like, this is great. So I got so obsessed that I started doing – I did 200 shows my first year, okay? And <laughs> I was just that into it. And I and I was performing every – and when I say, like, shows, it's kind of loose. I was, like, performing at, like, Taco Bell's. Uh, because we only had one club in Niles, Ohio. <laughs> so, and they would only let me on on Wednesdays. Mm. So I just started going to Taco Bell's, and while people were eating chalupas, I was like, can I tell you jokes, please? I'm a comedian. And they'd say, okay, and I'd just start doing jokes. And I'd walk by, you know, bars where I hear live music, and I'd just walk in and say, listen, when you're done with your set, can you just give me five minutes? And I would literally go anywhere, um, just every single place I could. And so uh, I, I just... I started doing it because I remembered uh, hearing the whole 10,000 hours thing from the book, The Outliers, uh, uh, with uh, Malcolm McDowell or whatever. Malcolm Gladwell, uh, yeah. Yeah, Gladwell, Gladwell, that's right. (laughs) Don't tell him I said that. And so so anyway, so like I'm thinking, okay, I want to hit my 10,000 hours because I'm so obsessed with stand-up. I just saw the power in it. I, I, I watched people, like there were comics that, had started the same time as me that would say something and it would offend the audience member. Like I, I watched the guy literally get punched in the face oh, man. Uh, yeah. because, because he was upset at what was said. Then I saw other people that were just, you know, would say things that would just be so funny that like people would walk out of the show talking about that set and they were just filled with like, you know, just happiness and just kept laughing. And so I just, I love the effect of comedy. And uh, that it could really like change a room in an instant. And uh, uh, so, so my second year of comedy, I, I started um, just doing clubs anywhere I could, emceeing, just trying to meet other comics. And I opened up for one of the writers of Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, and he really liked my stuff. And he said, "Hey, would you would you like to write for Late Night with Jimmy Fallon?" And I said, uh, "Heck yeah, absolutely!" And yeah. so I did that. Uh, so that's kind of. And I had always loved uh, late night shows. The Tonight Show with uh, Jay Leno was mm-hmm. one of my absolute favorite things as a kid. So I just like watched it. And I was obsessed, and um, you know, even before I knew I was going to do comedy, the first time I watched Saturday Night Live, I think it was like eleven. And first night I watched it, I immediately went down to my parents' basement and wrote a skit. Like I was just so into it. Yeah. And uh, I never really connected the dots that I was going to be a comedian <laughs> until you know later on in life and and so so after after that had opened the door for me to to write for a late night show and see the jokes you know monologue jokes like uh being told i was just like wow like this is crazy possible so i became friends with a lot of uh late night writers and um years down the road i I ended up going on tour a lot i was just um there were like two or three years and i it was like two and a half years where i was on tour and uh, i only had 10 days off out of the whole year um, for, for both years in a row. The rest, I was just going anywhere and performing and just hitting my 10,000 hours. And um, it, was, it was really, really great. So at the end, I had met my wife on tour, and um, we were dating. And uh, we were uh, – actually, I think I had proposed to her at that time. Is and she a so comic as well? Just, 
Say it again? Sorry, is your wife a comic as well? She was on tour as a uh, basically an, an actor. She was doing skits. So she doesn't like to say that she's a comic, but I think she's funnier than me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would say she is. But, yeah, and, and her and I try to do – we do skits weekly. In fact, we're actually filming a skit today at some point. Nice. Um, and, yeah, yeah, so I, I would put her in that category. So, so we met. Uh, we uh, started dating. We got engaged. And now I, I – all of a sudden, I had finished, you know, all this this long time on the road, and I had just this burning passion again to get back into late night because it's always been, you know, one of the biggest things that I love because uh, people in my generation, we get, uh, eight, what, 80% of our news, something like that, from late night shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just so influential. So I have friends that write for other shows, and, and one of them is, is a really incredible man uh, that is a writer for Conan. And, um, he, you know, he has always just given me advice over the years. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I think we're going to need to move. You know, we're right now we, uh, we lived in um, Phoenix, which is where we are now. And I said, I think we're going to need to move to L.A. Uh, because I desperately want to write for a late night show again. And so I'm going to go ahead and put out submission packets. And, you know, I got connections. I think we'll be fine. And so the, the moment that I said that, um, a couple days later, my friend Micah Thomas, uh, who is the son of Rusty Thomas over at OSA, uh, he had seen uh, a post from Apologia that said, We're, we want to start a Christian late night show. And uh, so if you're a writer, if you're a late night writer, put in your uh, <laughs> application, you know, your submission packet. And literally, I was like, that's right here. Like, what are you talking That's 20 minutes down the road from me. Like, oh, there's man. no way. And so I um I, I just uh, spent like literally just a couple hours uh, making the submission packet. I sent it in, and Marcus Pittman uh, messaged me back, and he said, "Dude, this is the best submission packet we've gotten, and we absolutely love it. Like, uh, w- would you mind sending another one?" And so, uh, you know, just like kind of a different, uh, different style or, or, or whatever. I forget what he asked me, and so I wrote that, and then they called me and said, "Can you meet?" And so we went up and we met. And they gave me the vision of, hey, we really want to do a Christian late night show. We want it to be edgy. And, you know, I, I didn't know too much about Apology at the time. So I was like, uh, my, the first question I asked, I was like, guys, this isn't going to be corny, is it? Because I'm not going to do it if it's going to be corny. And they're like, no, no, like we can't stand that. And I was like, oh, good. We're going to be great friends. Good. And, nice. <laughs> yeah. And so it just, uh, that kind of started the whole relationship. We shook hands after that. And. I just got in my car and I was like, how is this happening? Because, you know, you, I think a lot of creative people have dreamed about a Christian late night show, but mm-hmm. it never existed. Yeah. Like, for whatever yeah. reason, it never happened. And we were like, hey, we're, we're able to, I don't know, create something that hasn't been done before. Uh, like, I don't know. It's just, it's been, it was really cool. That's awesome. So Chris, the, uh, it's, you, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of, sort of Christian attempts at comedy in, uh, in recent generations, they've been like, they've been kind of lame. They've been kind of, you know, um, pulling punches and this, you didn't want to, you didn't want the, and, uh, Jeff and those guys didn't want that, that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've seen, I've seen, uh, next week, uh, several times and I mean, they, you've, you've pulled it off. Um, I, th- I think, uh, I think what you were going for, you hit it. Uh, yeah. but it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to me, um, just like in, in, uh, in history and in literature, like the history of comedy, the character of the fool or the jester, uh, is, is a, a common trope. And the, their point is the whole point of that kind that kind of character is to, you know, to speak uncomfortable truths, like to put their finger on the things that you're not supposed to talk about. That uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. like you're not supposed to to question these things, but but you can get away with it if you're uh, if you're doing it with a smile. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. I was actually just in Mexico last weekend, and uh, I love when I'm in other countries. I love to study the the comedy world, and mm-hmm. a lot of most of the other countries, especially Spanish speaking countries, stand up isn't big, but they still use comedy in a way that uh, has always surprised me. And in Mexico, I was completely surprised. They have this weatherman uh, that dresses up as a clown because in their culture, they enjoy clowns. It's very entertaining, and they'll listen to anything the clown says. So this guy is a very, very smart man, 
and he's supposed to be a weatherman on the news, but anytime he's on the news, he talks about political and controversial subjects, and because he's a, he's a clown, everybody loves it. Nobody's upset at anything he says, and <laughs> I had people there that were telling me all about it, and I'm like, are you, are you serious? And they're like, yeah, like we love him. He's great. You know, it's like it doesn't matter like what he says because he's a clown, people will listen. And I think that that really kind of I mean, that kind of explains comedy in a way of when when people go, "Hey, why why are you why do you want to do a late night show?" And the idea is because when we're dressed up as a clown, people listen. And it, it's just kind of mind-blowing, but that it's how the culture is, is going. And, you know, even historically, pe- people have listened. I'm, I'm actually reading this book right now by Jack Parr, who was uh, one of the original Tonight Show hosts. Mm-hmm. He was right after Steve Allen. And uh, I'm reading his autobiography, and he, uh, one of the things that really brought him to uh, kind of fame in the first place, actually, was he was working in World War – he was in the military in World War II. And because he had his radio experience, they made him – like a MC for uh, just going around and entertaining the troops. And there was a separate group of uh, entertainers, you know, the USO and Bob Hope was in that and everything. Yeah. But he was in the small group, the group that nobody cared about. And it was just soldiers themselves just kind of filling in before Bob Hope could get there or after Bob Hope, you know, just kind of entertaining the troops. Well, he starts making fun of the um, officers because the officers were lazier than the soldiers. You know, that, that was like his joke, basically, is he was pointing out all of the, the laziness that officers were doing and abusing their power and everything like that, and it killed. And, uh, and he, he only got arrested one, one time, and it was because uh, he was in this big, you know, room with tons and tons of soldiers, and they were waiting for their, um, uh, man, the, their one wasn't a lieutenant. I'm trying to think of who it was, but it was, it was definitely a higher-up officer. They were waiting for him for an hour, and people were starting to get tired, and Jack Parr was getting upset, right? And so all of a sudden, uh, this guy, like, walks in uh, with a, a girl on, you know, on his left or whatever, and Jack Parr just starts – and he's the, he's the officer, and so Jack, Jack Parr is just like, oh, sorry, folks. Looks like we couldn't start because he was too busy uh, – you know, uh, uh, being with this lady, and, like, he had all these jokes about it, and it, the whole audience started roaring. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, he got off stage, and the, the, the officer arrested him immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, but what Jack Parr didn't know is while he's doing all this stuff, the, uh, a magazine, uh, the Esquire, was actually trying to contact him. Because they, uh, the writer of this article was trying to write an article about Bob Hope being on the road or, you know, uh, entertaining the troops. Mm-hmm. And while, while he's, you know, um, there, everybody keeps saying, ah, Bob Hope's great, of course, but Jack Parr is who you want to see. Jack Parr's insane. They're saying Jack Parr says stuff that no comic says. And, like, no soldier should be making fun of a, a, an officer. And, and so, like, they're doing all this stuff. So what Jack Parr doesn't know is that when she gets home, there's an entire article about Jack Parr. And he gets signed immediately by our RKO Records, which at the time was huge. And, uh, you know, he just becomes this humongous star because of it. And that became his reputation. It's like people wanted to hear what he had to say because he would call out people for doing wrong things, especially, like, officers and stuff like that. <laughs> So, so Chris, like you're a like you're you're a scholar of of comedy and the history of comedy, um, and you're you're also a Christian man. Um, yeah. What? Uh, where, where do we see uh, the use of comedy in Scripture? Yeah. Okay. So that's that's a really good question. Uh, we we had a lot of those questions when I was doing next week with Jeff Durbin, and now that I'm doing my own late night show, the monologue show, I haven't had many questions. Uh, about it because I haven't really built this show as a Christian sure. uh, late night show and uh, you know I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second it's like it's so weird how entertainment now is like there's entertainment and then there's Christian entertainment no and, totally uh, yeah I'd love to talk about yeah, that yeah 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 absolutely so so to answer your your um, this current question here what what was it again <laughs> um, just the the use of comedy in scripture like what is uh, do, oh. is there is there comedy um i guess biblical precedent for for the cutting joke right okay yeah so what's interesting is i actually went through a bit of a struggle at first when i did comedy 
because I, when I started doing comedy, was in Ohio, which is actually considered part of the Bible Belt, believe it or not, even though it's kind of up north. And yeah, right. people would tell me, well, you're a speaker. Comedian is, is – you shouldn't be a comedian. You should be a pastor because a, a comedian is sinful and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I struggled with, like, Ephesians for a second, you know, where it, it says, like, you know, coarse jokes are not supposed to be around you and, yeah. you know, just uh, kind of that kind of stuff. And, and then you go into the Old Testament. And you start to read about, like, uh, I think the biggest example would be Elijah. Yeah. You know, Elijah, yeah. and, and he's doing the, <laughs> the the fire, right? And he's saying, all right, let's let's see who can who can make this fire appear, you know, and then we'll give credit to that that God, you know. And obviously he knew, you know, God would the the one true God would 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 do it. But as he's watching all these, uh, you know, these false prophets, you know, trying to worship a uh, Baal, I believe it, it, it was, yeah. the, the, the fake god. That's right. And he just starts mocking him. Like, it turns into a comedy show because he just starts listing all the things that this fake god could be doing. And it just cracks me up uh, to no end to be like, wow, this is just so funny to me. And he's mocking him. And, you know, he's making a point. I'm guessing he probably didn't have a lot of people in the audience laughing. At that moment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we can look at it in uh, you know a different perspective now and go, wow, that was that was pretty funny, and uh, but it was also you know it, I mean it was true like he had depth to it, and I think what's interesting is you look at the left side, um, non-Christian side, and anytime they try to mock Christianity or even when they try to like mock Christian values, what's crazy is they don't have any facts behind it. They mock, but it's very, very shallow. And that's, yeah. I think, yeah. one of the coolest things that I learned, um, you know, doing uh, next week is that uh, Jeff would give me a lot of pushback sometimes because I, I had tons of creative freedom. I would write skits. I would write, you know, like all sorts of, you know, the, the, every, every joke that you see on the show I wrote. So, um, so I would write all that stuff, but then there would be moments where Jeff is like, hey, this is obviously hilarious, but uh, my, my problem is you didn't. You didn't give actual, like, uh, you know, you didn't dive in deeper. And so I think that that would be kind of like the phrase, like, hey, dive, dive in deeper. And hmm. what's cool is as I started writing, I realized, like, we actually have a well of facts and truth, you know, because Jesus is the actual truth. So what's crazy is we have a well we can dive deep into and say, hey, I'm going to mock you, but here's why I'm going to mock you. So it's almost like, hey, maybe your God is going to the bathroom right now. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, mm-hmm. why is that joke funny? That joke's funny because uh, your God's not here for you, and also he doesn't even exist. Yeah. So if he did, yeah. he'd be going to the bathroom. My God doesn't do that. So it's like it's just so funny because there's an actual well of of, of truth that you can dive into as a, as a Christian comedian. Yeah, yeah, totally. I I was also thinking about I was definitely thinking about that uh, that passage about Elijah. I think he puts yeah. he puts all the priests to death at the end of that uh, that routine. Yeah. But, uh, yes, he does. <laughs> uh, there's also I can't remember where it is in Isaiah, but uh, he's he's also talking about idols, and he says something like like, man, how how great is an idol? Like you go you can uh, go and uh, and chop down a tree and you know craft it into uh, into your your god, and then you can uh, throw it on the fire and cook your meal over it. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah, and I and I think you know what's kind of cool is like as you read the Bible, there's humor, you know, throughout the Bible, and it's interesting because now we try to have this like uh, oh there's there's nothing funny. Yeah, I mean there's like a whole group of Christians that used to the the Puritans or whatever they believed at one time that uh, that you're not supposed to enjoy anything. You know, if you enjoyed anything in life, then that's a sin. So yeah, that's that's a com- that's a like, common misperception about the Puritans. But we can uh, we can leave that. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> well, no, I, I could be. Well, no, no, hold on, hold on. You're, I mean, I think you're right. But let me just say this. Oh, okay, sure. Somebody, sorry, sorry. I thought that was your uh, that was your statement. But no, go ahead. No, sorry. no, no, no. When I when I lived in Ohio, no, no, you're good. When I lived in Ohio, there uh, there was a group of um, so it's not even Puritans. Who is it? There's a group of people and. They told me that that's how they feel. So oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so um, there was something I wanted to say about that. Was oh, with anyway, with with comedy and with the Word of God, what's really cool is that there's just so much. Uh, I mean, there's freedom in Christ. Like we read that all the time. You know, mm-hmm, there's, mm-hmm. there's there's freedom and and 
I used to struggle all the time, and I, I actually went to school for being a, a you know, a, a minister, a pastor, and I kept struggling with, like, hey, this is great, but, like, I keep feeling like there's this burning uh, desire in me to go tell jokes. And as I kept kind of prodding at that and, and like, uh, you know, trying to discover what that meant, what's crazy to me is I all of a sudden grew a love for comedians. And I realized that there's nobody reaching out to comedians. Hmm. And what's crazy is, as we had just talked about, the clown will, will get people to listen. Yeah. And so it's like, imagine if we could get all the clowns to realize Jesus Christ and, and completely surrender uh, to, to him and, like, literally just change their, their, their whole lives. And, um, and when, uh, when that happens, what's just so insane is that uh, – we can change an entire culture and we live in a society now where entertainers are the most uh, influential uh, type of people in the world. No, absolutely. You know, the, the, the president of the United States is a celebrity. So <laughs> that, that's example enough. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. No, no kidding. Uh, you, you said something earlier um, just about, about the depth uh, to comedy and and this the particular depth that that's available to Christians, um, <clears throat> and, and it just makes me it makes me think about about the current state of of comedy today. Um, how a lot of it a lot of it is dominated uh, by people on the left, and a lot of it is just like not only do I would you disagree with it as Christians, but you know, as as people looking to be to and to be entertained or to uh, to get a laugh, like it's not it's not thoughtful, it's not deep. It's like how easy is it to you know to make fun of Donald Trump's hair and how many people yeah. are doing it? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, that's uh, you know that's kind of the thing. Is like uh, it's almost this mob mentality mm -hmm. where because there's so many comedians out there now. It's like we're not just screaming at somebody at once. We're mocking them at once, and we're telling the exact same joke. And then we're high-fiving our section of the mob and saying, hey, we thought of that. Like, we're geniuses. Right. But then, then there's this other side that's like, well, hold on. Like, nothing you said could be backed up with facts. So, therefore, it's, 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 it's not real. And so it's like I can laugh at it to a point to go, oh, okay, yeah, all right, that was, that was one, you know, that was funny. Okay, just one's fine, that was funny. But it didn't actually, like, I don't believe any part of it. And so then they just keep going, and it's like uh, Stephen Colbert, you know, the late show with Stephen Colbert. Yeah, yeah. Like his ratings, his ratings skyrocketed, and he's still talking about, you know, they, they found out the whole, like, Russia collusion thing was, like, after two years. They're like, well, okay, there's no real proof to it. And he did like a whole board. He's like, all right, fine. We'll scratch out Russia collusion. But this is why the president is terrible. And it's like at the end of the day, you know, we, what's cool is as Christians, we can rely on like uh, the, the kingdom, you know, of, of God to say, well, that's, that's really our, our, our real kingdom. But at the same time, we can start to make differences here and we have actual stuff. So, yeah, I, I totally believe we we're kind of pulling from a different source than what they're pulling from. Their right. sources is based on. I don't know. Honestly, it's based on lies. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's it. Um, <clears throat> so like, I, there's there's one sort of obvious, uh, I don't know, criticism of the uh, the comedy of the comic. I don't know. Is it an industry? The, the one yeah, they they people use different words for it. They call it the let's see, the comedy world is pretty much what I use for it. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I like that. Like that, yeah. So that, yeah. There, there's one obvious criticism of the comedy world, but something that I'm uh, that I'm noticing more and more is also this uh, this existence of this parallel kind of Christian comedy world, where there's there's Christian comics, and you know some some of them are pretty funny, and because I can mm -hmm. because I also go to church, I can get I can laugh at jokes about you know who's going to put their hands in the air. Um, Right, that kind of thing, and it's it's not that it's bad comedy, but it's like it's for it's for insiders only. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you don't you don't do that. I mean, you it's not like you no. never never say that you've been in church or anything like that. But that's not where you focus your uh, the content and the themes of your your jokes. Yeah, I, you're completely right. I I don't do that, and 
I, I love that you kind of started off by saying, hey, there are some really good Christian comedians. And I, I totally agree. I think that the ones that do church material, I, I kind of separate it that way. I say, well, I'm not a church comic. Right. But I am a, uh, a a Christian, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a comedian. So it's like you you can put those two words together, absolutely. Uh, but I definitely don't do church material because one, I feel like there are other comics that do a fantastic job at it. So I don't need to compete. And uh, originally, I started to literally just be a carbon copy of like, uh, you know, the like Tim Hawkins and John Chris and stuff like that. And yeah, I, yeah. I started to realize, started to realize like there these churches are not asking me back. So then, and I struggled with the fact that, like, I didn't grow up in church. You know, it, it wasn't until uh, 17 that I got I got saved on a treadmill, actually. So, because uh, <laughs> God knew I was going to be a comedian. And I, I wasn't even at church uh, when, I, when I, like, I wasn't even at church. So what's crazy is I don't relate to jokes about, you know, the pews sizes and, uh, you know, pe- people raising their hands and just oh, that church culture. Right. I because I'm, I'm like ten years into that, I'm not 100. I didn't grow up in it, so that's kind of the other reason why I do it. I I just my goal is when I get up on stage at a church or even at a club, I can do the same jokes because my, my thing is I'm going to be uh, clean, mm-hmm. I'm going to be funny, and at the end of the day, somebody's going to come up to me, especially at clubs, and they'll say, Hey, like you are really, really good. Why is your set different than everybody else's? And then I can start opening up about the gospel. And uh, so when you just do church material, it really does, it only caters to the, the bubble, so to speak. And kind of what, what, what makes me angry, if you don't mind me going on a bit of a historical rant. I love, I I love that. Perfect. <laughs> Let's so, hear it. Well, you, yeah, so what makes me kind of angry about this this whole situation that we Christians have actually put ourselves into. That's why we're doing shows at churches, and uh, you know, there's uh, you know, they're, they're, like if I said Tim Hawkins in a comedy club, you, nobody would know who that is. Right. But in the church world, everybody's like Tim Hawkins. He's a legend. But only in our pretend ghetto world is he a legend. What's crazy is um, historically Hollywood actually used to be a Christian land. So Hollywood was called Hollywood Land, and it was Christian. Mm-hmm. And it was owned. It was owned by two Christians, uh, and they created this town. And it was uh, anti-alcohol, anti-drugs, and also anti-movies. Ironically, and uh, they wanted nothing to do with the movie industry. And everybody was like, "No, no, we should really film here. Like, this would be a great place to set up and, and start filming." And they were like, "No way!" And they completely rejected the idea of movies. They just chalked it up and said, "Nope, it's evil." And so, uh, so what happened was, all of a sudden, they go through this drought, Hollywood land. They go through this drought in California. Says, "Okay, well, you know what? We'll give you water, but you have to basically completely join us. You can't be your own thing. You got to like do what we do now. You know, you're in the state." And so they said, "Okay, fine." So they they do it. They drop the the word land. It just becomes Hollywood. And <laughs> within like a year, all these movie studios bombard it. Right? Yeah. So yeah. now it becomes this movie mecca, and What's crazy is uh, Christians still decided to get upset, and they were like, no, this is bad. Movies are bad. Well, before the parental guidance, it was actually uh, – they had to follow the, the – I think it's called the Hayes Code. And, uh, That's right. And it's basically like uh, a movie, in order to be approved, it had to follow this Ten Commandments, so to speak. And there was these rules that followed biblical guidelines that said, well, a movie can't show – Sex, it can't show, you know, um, I think murder. You couldn't even show murder at one time. Mm-hmm. And so it this, these Ten Commandments. And priests would read the scripts, and then they would, uh, priests and pastors, they would bless the script if they liked it. And if they didn't like it, then they wouldn't bless it, and the movie wouldn't get made. Well, out of nowhere, the priests and these pastors decided, you know what, we don't need to do this. We can just let the movie industry take care of itself. They seem to be cool. And so they also left. The, the entertainment industry. Then churches started to get so upset as movies came out, and they said, "Well, now these movies are getting worse. We always knew that they would get bad, mm. right?" And so, and the church is completely hands off, and now they're upset that you know it's getting bad. And so then they said, um, uh, like they they just started banning church members from going to movie theaters. So there have actually been like there's there's evidence. Uh, there's a, one of my favorite books uh, that I've read. They had some pictures of church members uh, literally 
going to a different uh, town uh, just to go see Wizard of Oz because their church would have completely kicked them out of the church. And now most Christians have Wizard of Oz in, in our, um, you know, just, just in our database of DVDs or whatever. Yeah. We're, we're proud of the movie. We love it. And, and so, so what's crazy is we have the, the goal to sit there and go, I don't understand why the movie industry is so unchristian. And the answer is because we wanted nothing to do with it from the beginning. Right, <laughs> like it's, it's, right. It's crazy. Instead of looking at the influence and saying, wait a second, we can, and what's crazy is one of the first movies ever made was, uh, was about the story of Jesus. And then after that, it was the story of uh, the great uh, commandments and mm-hmm. Moses. And the reason is because the Bible, nobody owned the right to the Bible. So everybody yeah. started making biblical uh, movies. And yeah, then totally. after a while, you know, the church wasn't in there. So then people started making biblical movies, but then mocking it and doing all sorts of things. And uh, so now what we've done is as years have gone by, decades have gone by, we've looked and went, you know what? Because the, the Hollywood movie industry is so bad, they want nothing to do with us. Like now we're offended, right? Mm-hmm. They want nothing to do with us. What we're going to do is we're going to create our own, you know, Christian Hollywood. And so then we don't know what we're doing. We're not good because we don't want to listen to, you know, all of them after they've had like a, over a hundred years of technique. You know, we're like, oh, we don't, we don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to learn anything from you. Mm-hmm. And so now, uh, we have this weird, like low quality uh, movies. There's, there's there's a book I read called uh, How to Succeed in Hollywood Without Losing Your Soul, and it was a producer of uh, so many movies, of, like including the X Men movies and stuff like that. And he wrote, he said that the problem with this Christian movie industry now is that they make these movies low quality uh, because they don't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. and they don't they don't write more than one draft on the script, and then they just say, well, it's okay because uh, you know the uh, God, like the, the the spirit of God, will just kind of uh, anoint it, and we'll have the anointing, and it'll be good. And then in the book it says, but imagine if you would actually spend time instead of being lazy, and write something great, because you know God is literally the creator of the universe. So we like we were given, we can create, you know. And so it's like, uh, imagine if you worked really hard on the script, you worked really hard on the movie, and then the anointing came. Imagine how much better that would look. If, you know, if we're going to go with your language and, and your idea and the whole thing. And it's just, it's just crazy because it, you look at all that stuff and you go, well, that's kind of why we're in the problem that we're in. That's why you see all these entertainers saying things and, um, you know, wanting to constantly just make fun of Christian values and all, all that kind of stuff is because we wanted nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Man. That was, uh, yeah, I apologize. It was such a long rant. <laughs> no, nope, no, nope, that, that was an interesting uh, history lesson for sure. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, Chris, you you mentioned earlier um, the passage from Ephesians about uh, let no coarse joking um, come out of your mouth. Um, yeah, you met you've mentioned the uh, I guess like in some ways it's a it's an understandable and righteous impulse to to keep yourself unstained by the world. That's an, that's also in scripture. Um, yeah. Are there, and you've, you've talked about how your, your routines are, you know, deliberately clean. You can take them to the church and you can take them to the clubs and don't, don't really have to change things up. Uh, are there, are there, uh, all that being said, are there forms of comedy uh, or topics that are off limits for the Christian? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I, I do believe that, the motives of a of a joke is quite important, and the the punchline basically saying a perverted joke for the sake of being perverted is absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. You know that I would say that that's that that's a sin. You know, uh, for sure. Like if once again, it's like out of, out of the uh, abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you're saying all these things that are inherently sinful, then uh, it's probably coming a bit to a you know to a bit of a heart issue there. Uh, that's, uh, you know, kind of uh, a, a little bit of, of sin. So I, I do think that there are some lines. However, I will say this. I Even though, like, I, I'm a clean comic and everybody will say, hey, yeah, Chris Weinman is a clean comic, I have definitely and will continue to definitely do edgy jokes. Uh, you know, even just in the, 
episodes uh, next week with Jeff Durbin. We had written some uh, <laughs> edgy jokes that had gotten us a little bit in trouble with some fans mm-hmm. and people just saying, hey, you can't do that. Like we, we mocked uh, – I don't know if you saw it, but we mocked um, – uh, the at the time, uh, the president of Planned Parenthood, because uh, she had retired. And, oh yeah, yeah, uh, it's uh, Cecile Richards. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so uh, yeah, Cecile Richards. So we mocked her, and we we had like this animated drawing of her, and I did the voice, and um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, hey, it's Cecile, and the whole bit was like, what is she doing now that she is retired? And so, you know, we just said all sorts of stuff like, well, now that I'm retired, I think I'm going to go, uh, you know, go to some other countries, see if there's any, uh, you know, murders that I can help take place. And, you know, just kind of like uh, really just mocking her. And uh, I had some people like call me and say, hey, I think that, that was that was too far. And I was like, actually, I don't even know if that was far enough. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. what we were doing and what's crazy is like I researched her. So that I could, you know, say some jokes about like her personal life and everything, so that we could just say, well, no, this is real. Like I'm not saying anything that that she hasn't already said. I was quoting. There were moments where I was quoting her verbatim. Right. So, uh, you know, people are just upset because I said words. I said I literally said words that they didn't like. You know, and um, and what's interesting about that is that there are words now that the man Christian. People as a whole have gotten like kind of sheepish from, and it's interesting because I don't feel like Jesus pulled punches in that sense. Uh, you know, what I mean, he called people the blood of vipers, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's like that was a pretty edgy thing to say at that time. And uh, you know, I, I think now, like I, I for instance, I have a joke that uh, churches, not all churches, let me talk about. Some do, but I just talk about how I used to have a porn addiction. However, being at church and even saying the word porn yeah. out loud has churches say, I don't think that's very Christian or that's very clean of you. Right. And I'm like, are you kidding me, though? Because when I do talk about that joke, when I say that joke about how I used to struggle with it and, uh, you know, just all that kind of stuff, people afterwards will come up and be like, wow, I just got to say it. I've been struggling with it or I used to struggle with it. And like that really helped me. Like what you said really, really helped me. Hmm. And so – you know, there's just so many, many words that we're afraid to talk about. Like most of the, the Christian, you know, Christian world is, as you know, in, in America, they don't even want to say the word abortion. Yeah. And it's, but it's a real, real sick, disgusting, evil issue that's going on that needs a change. Like babies are being killed and, and nobody wants to say the word abortion because, uh, you know, oh, that's just not the words that we say. We need to stay away from unclean words. And what what they what people need to realize is that uh, if if something is if there's sin, we are also we should be like uh, looking at injustices and standing before them and saying, no, hold on a second, you cannot do this. You you, you cannot kill your baby. And you know people will say like, oh, that's controversial stuff like that. Well, I would say Jesus was probably pretty darn controversial in his time. Totally. No, that's uh, that's a valuable perspective. You've been you've been doing this for over ten years now. Who who are your major influences as a comedian? Yeah, who who were they uh, when I first started, or who are they now? Yeah, I guess that's uh, well, that's an evolving question, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Because when when you first think about comedy, you start studying comics that you know you kind of grew up with. So yeah. for me at the time. I know I'm not allowed to say it, but it was Bill Cosby. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah. no, you can't say you ever liked his jokes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, at, for at sure. The, we knew know, it all along. Cool. We knew it in 1991. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so I, I just grew up watching Cosby. was probably my biggest influence at the time. And then Louis Anderson, he had like a kid's show called Life with Louie. I, I used to watch that show, yeah. Did you really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I would watch the cartoon, and then I would start watching, uh, you know, his stand-up. And I was like, man, this is great. So I, I would say, and then Ellen DeGeneres as well. She was, uh, you know, she's always been like a cleaner comic, and so mm-hmm. grew up watching her. And so I was influenced by that. But as time goes on, you learn to respect comics as a comedian, where you go, well, actually, what that person did was so smart or so good. And um, so I, 
there's actually a, a comedian that is uh, not Christian or clean, but his name's Bill Burr, and he is probably the most talented comedian uh, right now of today. Hmm. Just, I mean, he's been working on the craft for so long. So it's like, you know, when you say like, oh, well, who's who's a really talented comedian? I would I would say him because he has just he has so many bits that he does that are just so unique and like way out there that you're like how could somebody there's a whole bit uh, about based on a true story of this dude that found out he had terminal illness and he jumped out of an uh <laughs> he he pays to go on a tour for a helicopter tour in like hawaii or something mm. and he jumps out of the helicopter and he ends up he ends up going to the hospital like he didn't even die from this attempt oh, man. and so he tells bill burr finds somehow a funny way to tell a really sad story and he finds a funny way to tell it. He tells it from the perspective of the guy that jumped. And then he tells it from the perspective of the tour guide that this has got to be his first time taking somebody in the helicopter. And, and uh, you know, just literally retells the story. And I saw that. And, I'm you know, I'm not a big fan of, uh, you know, comics that aren't clean or anything. But I saw that and I went, who is this guy? It is so talented. So I'm looking at it more from a comedian side than I used to, than just like a fan. Right, right. No, that's interesting. I know I know that name, but I'm not I'm not familiar with his stuff. Yeah, I'm not necessarily telling anybody to go see it though, just for the record. He's uh, he's pretty uh, he's got a dirty mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Oh, and I guess a somewhat somewhat related question, but. Um... For for people who are interested in digging into into the history of uh, of comedy of the entertainment industry of uh, of film as you you started to talk about earlier, uh, what uh, what would you recommend? Where would you recommend they go to uh, to read or to watch uh, to uh, to get more in, deeper into that? Yeah, so um, the first thing I would say is feel free to watch my videos. I tend without even realizing it, I tend to talk about the history of comedy because I am such a nerd. I just I literally dive into books as much as I can about the history of comedy. So, uh, you know, hey, if, if anybody's listening, it's like, who is this guy? You know, just if you type in Chris Wyman on YouTube, there's all sorts of videos where I'm just talking to the camera. So that that's pretty fun. But if you want to read about the history of comedy I, I and entertainment, I would say um, the book The Comedians by uh, Cliff Nesteroff is his name. And he uh, literally it goes through the whole history of comedy in America. And, uh, you know, like uh, America is kind of the birthplace of stand-up comedy. A lot mm. of people don't know that. I didn't even know that until I read the book. Mm. And so the, the book takes you through different types of comedy, vaudeville, stand-up, late night, just all of it. And there's so many stories. I, I met the guy. He's uh, from Canada, actually, and uh, super, super nice guy, super awesome. And uh, he used to be a comedian and a stand-up, and now he, he writes books about the history of uh, comedy. So it's definitely worth the read. There's incredible stories that you have no idea, like you would have had no idea that ever would have happened. Um, there's also another book called, um, Christ, uh, I think it's called Christianity in Hollywood. Yeah, I believe that's what it's called. And that's um, that's what I was kind of referencing before. And when when I was just talking about the history of Hollywood, yeah, that's where yeah. it tells you the, the birth, birthplace. And then, also, uh, the other one that I had, oh, I'm sorry, the Bible on the big screen. I just walked into my uh, uh, room and I saw it. The Bible on the big screen. And then uh, the other one, which I think is a really great read, is just uh, How to Succeed in Hollywood Without Losing uh, Your Soul. And that's by Ted Bear. So those, those would be the first three, I would say, uh, if anybody was interested in just kind of getting a background of, you know, of uh, Christianity and Hollywood and entertainment and also just kind of comedy uh, themselves. And then just for fun, if you ever want to read I'm Dying Up Here by uh, William uh, No Dessler, it's uh, all about the history of 1980s boom comedy. And it tells the story of how Jay Leno and David Letterman met and, you know, Johnny Carson. And literally, it's written like a novel, but it's 100% true. Richard Pryor's in there. Uh, like, everybody from the 80s is in this book. Huh. And it's one of the greatest, most fun books you'll ever read if you love comedy. Oh, that sounds that sounds really interesting. At least for me. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's... Uh, I mean, if if you don't if you don't enjoy being like a nerd, you probably won't like it. But 
think it's all pretty good. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, well, Chris, I really appreciate your time. Uh, before I let you go, uh, would, uh, would you do a couple of minutes of a routine for us? Well, uh, that's a good question. Well, can I do the one that I'm not allowed to do at church? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sure. No, I don't have to. I can tell sure. other jokes. Uh, <laughs> no, what, uh, we'll uh, we'll take uh, what's what's your favorite what's your favorite joke or what's your favorite routine? I see. That's a good question. Sure. Uh, my favorite routine is probably man. Uh, well, you know, I, I used to write a lot of one-liners. I went through a, a time in my life where I was writing tons of one-liners because I thought I might be a one-liner comic, and then I found out like I don't want to do that. Because you've got to write, you know, three or four hundred jokes just for an hour special. Yeah. So uh, I, I was like, no way. But I have some good one-liners in there. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see what I can think of. So my uh, my mother used to be very protective of me when I was younger, about the ages of eight or nine. She was extremely protective of me. Thought it was because she loved me. Turns out uh, we just didn't have medical. So that's a good medical joke. And then, uh, just a second, just a second. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to head down the hall and, uh, get, uh, get a bit of an audience here and see who else is around. Oh, cool. I'll see just what be, we can do here. Give me 10 seconds. <laughs> okay. Great. Chris, I've got, uh, yeah. Mike, Michael and Lauren, uh, are in the office. So they're just, uh, they're just going to hop in and, uh, and listen to you here. Who is it again? So, Michael, so and Michael and Lauren. Hi, Chris. Hey, how's it going? Very well, and you? Oh, fantastic. Great. Thanks for letting uh, us listen in. Of course. Thanks for listening in. I, I appreciate it. Uh, this is the first time I've ever told jokes, so I'm really excited that I've been given this opportunity. appreciate it. Uh, first off, can I maybe get a bit of an applause, you know, so we feel like we're at a show? Oh, applause. Woo! Yeah. Well, I like that. That was good. Thank you, guys. You guys applaud like my parents do every time I walk out of the house. Oh! <laughs> that was an old joke back when I used to live in my parents' house in their basement, and then I got kicked out. I uh, absolutely uh, used, used to love that. That was fun. Uh, so what's crazy is, you know, I'm a comedian, so I don't get to do a lot of fun things like uh, people uh, when I was younger used to, because I would just be so broke uh, when I was their age. So... Like uh, people with my friends, they used to go to colleges, or I'm sorry, concerts all the time. I don't go to concerts because they're too expensive. So I like to do the next best thing. I like to pop in some headphones, uh, go buy that album that I want to listen to, and then have a tall guy stand in front of me. It's the same thing. I just say, I'm sorry, I can't see anything. It's the exact same show. It's great. Uh, I, uh, I, I have a lot of fears. For some reason, I, they've always just been irrational fears. Like my worst fear is a bear that knows sign language, because I freak out with my hands and could accidentally sign "eat me." <laughs> For real, it's a thinker. You got to think about that one. It's a, it's a good one. It's a visual I, joke. Uh, <laughs> what? It's a visual joke. It's a visual joke. Yeah, I thought you were going to heckle me for a second. I was like, "Huh? What, who's? <laughs> where are you from?" No, it's great. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, no, I um, I uh, recently lost weight. I lost 50 pounds. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, I, I did. I'm glad you guys applaud that out there. Uh, <laughs> I'm originally from the Midwest. We don't applaud weight loss. We're concerned about it. It's, it's true. We, we, we love food. I actually grew up in a town uh, on a street called Sugar Lane Trail. Uh, that's it. Sugar Lane Trail. It's absolutely true. And, uh, we just, we just loved it 100%. And so, uh, when I lost weight, I had to give up on things that I loved, like cake, which side note, I bet if birthday cakes could talk, I bet they'd just blow and spit all over your face and say, how do you like it? <laughs> so thank you. You got to think on that one. That was, that was a great one. Uh, don't worry. I'll let you guys know when they're great. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, what, what's crazy? I, I live out in Phoenix, and that's what I think partially why I ended up losing weight because everybody out here is on a diet. I didn't know that. Uh, I found it out when I went to a movie theater uh, because I saw somebody order a small popcorn. I didn't even know small was a size. I had no idea. Like, 
we technically, you know, over in Ohio, like, we, we don't think about that stuff, okay? In, in where I'm from in Ohio, the movie theater isn't even about the movies. It's about the food. Like, and, and sure, we, we have uh, the size small, but it ends in the word bucket. <laughs> so, we have a small bucket, uh, a large bucket, where's my accountability partner bucket? Uh, and then we have a, a just a big wheelbarrow of popcorn we wheel out, and that's called the family bucket. So, so it's a fun one. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, just, just constantly uh, in growing up in Ohio was quite interesting for me. I uh, grew up in a, a divorced household. I, I don't know if any – if any of you guys, did any of uh, my three audience grow up in a divorce, with divorced parents? No. No. Not here. Oh, just me. I feel on the spot. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, you know how it is. Uh, yeah, no, so I, I, I grew up with, uh, in a divorced household, and I literally grew into it because uh, my parents got divorced when I was like five, so that's what I thought love was, you know? So, like, when my sister and I would play house, we would just yell at each other about unreached dreams <laughs> and uh, – you know, the, the game would always end with me giving her half my stuff. So uh, I could only play that game a couple times. I know it's a sad joke, but it's a good joke. Uh, good. Well, then, thank you, guys. I'm Chris Wineland. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Chris. Thank you. Guys, thank you very much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. I'm bowing right now. You just can't tell. We'll find a picture of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do that. I'll, I'll send it over to you. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, Chris, thanks for doing that. That was fun. Yeah, hey, thanks. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. It was, it was, I don't think I've ever done stand-up over the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there's uh, there's new, uh, new frontiers everywhere. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Hey, we'll we'll start that. That'll be great. I'll start calling people, leaving voicemails. That'll be my job now. Good. Good. That'll be like the, the new uh, via phone. Yes. Yeah. Just dial a joke. Mm-hmm. I like that. Dial in joke. It'll be a quarter a joke or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's good. No, nope, there's a. That's uh, good. I guess. There's a business plan here. Yeah, I like that. I could make commercials, put them out late at night or whatever, and be like, "Do you want a joke?" Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Chris, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. Before I let you go, uh, where uh, where can people? What's your website? Where can people find out more about you? Yeah. So my website is chriswineland.com. But the biggest thing that we've been doing lately is um, just social media. We put out I put out videos and jokes every single day, uh, and the whole key is you know the social media itself is just. Uh, you know, an unreached frontier. It's something that I, I think if Christians ever want to get back and get involved in entertainment industry, uh, social media is the way to go because television is dying out. So we have uh, – I have my own show out that Marcus Pittman is the producer of called The Monologue Show. And, uh, you know, the cool key is we don't talk about Trump because that's what all the other 3,000 shows do. So uh, mm -hmm. we talk about uh, everything else, and we just kind of have a blast with it. Uh, really focus on odd news and my hatred for Burger King, and <laughs> we just kind of have a blast. And so that's the monologue show that airs every Monday. You can go on Facebook and type in the monologue show with Chris Weinman. Uh Do me a favor and please follow that. And uh, just uh, yeah, stay in touch with us. That would be absolutely great. You know what's really cool? We just put out a skit where my wife was AOC and uh, I was her boyfriend Riley Roberts. And we hit 63,000 views in like two, three days. Nice. So uh, the the demand is there, you know. And uh, I think the the only downside is like uh, it's hard to get funding because everybody's still, you know, funding uh, kind of the more traditional side, like books and everything like that. But uh, but the reach is so easy. Uh, you know, we've uh, since we started the monologue show like six months ago, we've only I think we've only used a hundred dollars, and right? we've reached over. 200,000 people with, uh, with it. So it's like, Hey, the, you know, the, if, if we can get Christians to get behind social media and comedies like that, uh, that really make a point And like you and I have talked about like diving deep in, then I, I think, uh, we could completely take back the entertainment industry 
and uh, you know, glorify God through it. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I really appreciate that uh, that vision and that uh, that exhortation. Is there a is there is there a big big market big demand for more Christian comics like yourself, or are you trying to edge out any competition? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm always encouraging people to do comedy. Uh, I, I think it's uh, extremely influential, extremely important, and also there's a lot of funny people that don't let their jokes be heard just like how I was in high school. So I, I always think, hey, yeah, if you're thinking about it, I think you should try it at least once and see how you feel after that. But there, there, there is a market of Christian comedians, but they're not that big. You know, the, a lot of it is church comics. Um, there's not too many I know that kind of go the route I'm going. Right, right. That's awesome. Well, Chris, uh, thanks again for your time. It's been a great, uh, great pleasure to have you with us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Love to talk to you again sometime. Yeah, that would be a blast. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please take a moment to like, share, and rate the podcast on social media and your favorite listening platform. For more resources, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca.